0: Welcome to another episode of the Common Man's Take on Sports. Today I want to unpack a few subjects, the first one being the James Harden saga. And I want to compare it a little bit to the Damian Lillard saga. So James Harden, after the season ended in Philly in the playoffs against the Boston Celtics, Um, James Harden asked for a trade. He said he didn't want to be in Philly anymore. And so he had a player option and um, Philadelphia told him Philadelphia told him that if he picked his option up that they would trade him. So he did. And I believe there was some communication with the Clippers because that's where James Harden is originally from LA But ultimately Philadelphia wanted too much in return that the Clippers didn't want to give up So Philadelphia came out last week and said that all trade talks for James Harden have ended We're keeping him and we're going to make it work with Joel Embiid And James Harden is our one-two superstar punch so then a few days later, James Harden on his wine uh, tour while he was in China or um, on an Adidas. yep, Nope, he was on an Adidas uh, tour for his shoe. Came out and called uh, Maury a liar <laughs> and said that he definitely doesn't want to be in Philadelphia and that Maury lied to him. Uh, when they talked about the trade. So now you have a Disgruntled James Harden. So here's the difference between the Dame Lillard situation and the James Harden situation uh, from my point of view. So Portland knows that Dame Lillard is going to come out and give them 100% no matter what. Even if he even if they don't trade him right away and he's still on that roster at the beginning of the season, they know that he's proven over the course of his career, college, in pros, that he is the consummate professional. Um, He's a competitor. And even if he is still in Portland, they know he's going to come out and he's going to give it 100% every night. Uh, He won't be a distraction to the team because that's just not the type of player or person that he is. So James Harden is a little different. We've seen him be a distraction to teams when he was in Houston, and when he was in New Jersey, uh, or uh, when he was in Brooklyn, sorry, forgot to change the name from New Jersey Nets to Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he was in Brooklyn. Um, so Philadelphia's problem is a little different because they have a player who is kind of a prima donna, and he will be a distraction to the team if he thinks it's going to get him traded faster Uh James Harden will probably set out games and refuse to play because that's the type of person he is. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm just saying that's the difference between him and Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard's going to do the right thing uh, by himself and by the team, no matter what. James Harden is going to do whatever gets him what he wants faster. So... Philadelphia's problem is now they've come out and said that they want to make it work with those two and that all the trade talks are over. And James Harden is still saying he wants out. You know, how are you going to make that work? You know, obviously he doesn't want to be there. He's not going to want to be there. And again, the type of player he is, he will definitely be a distraction. And Philadelphia has... other problems to deal with without having their number two super, number two superstar be a distraction and drag that team down. So Philadelphia probably needs to go back to the drawing board, just accept the fact that James Harden just doesn't want to be there and the James Harden trial just didn't work and figure out a trade that would work between them and a team that uh, Harden would be okay going to. I'm pretty sure they can find a couple of trade partners that would give them a decent return. I mean, you're not going to get the same return for James Harden that you are a Dane Lillard. Because James Harden's not the same player he was uh, when he was in Houston or Oklahoma City. Uh, he's his stats have kind of dropped a bit since he's been there. Uh, and, and maybe he makes a bounce back and he goes back to, you know, how he was playing at those places. But as of right now, you don't know that. So you can't ask for the same return. You know, Dame Lillard last season was one of the best players in the league. You know, he he was a top 10 player, probably top five, if you look at his stats. <clears throat> And so you gotta. The other problem with trading James Harden is everybody knows that. Um, you do get that extra baggage with him, so. It's it's kind of harder to offload him than you than it is a Dame Lillard because you know Dame Lillard doesn't have any extra baggage. What you see is what you get. <clears throat> a player who's going to do the right thing, you know, no matter what. Hardened scoring average last year was down to 21 points a game, 10.7 assists, 1.2 steals, and 5.4 rebounds. 86% free throw percentage, and then 44% field goal, which is good. He only played 58 games. The year before that, 21, and the year before that, 44. Um, the year before that, he played 65. 36 and eight and then 44 again so um, again you're 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 not going to get a team that's going to give you a huge return for a player who's who hasn't played three quarters of a season in a long time may you know, much less a full season so that's the other thing that the Philadelphia 76ers have to look at you know, you're not going to get a King's Ransom for him. Not now. Uh, I still think James Harden is absolutely a serviceable player, uh, and he can probably return back to his star status in the right place, in the right system. Um, the other problem with James Harden, which it's a little bit of a problem with, with Dame Lutter, but not as much. Um, Name literally at least gives, you know, 100% effort, but James Harden really doesn't play defense. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. He'll rarely play defense. Every once in a while, you'll you'll catch him on a rare occasion playing defense, but that's just not what he does. So that's another thing you have to take into account when you get a James Harden. So that's why, you know, Philadelphia has to be very careful what they ask for in return for him. Um, So... You know, two two very different situations there uh, with a player that you know is going to do the right thing, even if you're not, and another player who's going to do whatever it takes to get what they want. So I think Philadelphia is in a, in a much worse place than Portland is uh, with what's going on with James Harden now, and um, obviously between Portland and Dame, it's still you know a good relationship. Like they're both still you know, trying to do the right thing by each other. And then, you know, Philadelphia and James Harden are the exact opposite. Neither team, the team doesn't look like they're trying to do the right thing by James Harden and James Harden doesn't look like he's trying to do the right thing by Philadelphia. So, um, you know, two two very different situations. So it's uh definitely interesting. It's going to be interesting to see the James Harden. I think the James Harden-Philadelphia saga is going to be... Way more drama-filled and way more interesting to watch than the Dame Lord portland situation. I think that you're going to see a lot of stuff come out here in the next couple of weeks that's going to be some bad uh, coverage between Philadelphia and James Harden. <clears throat> we'll see what happens but uh you know it's looking it ain't looking good in Philadelphia so i want to talk a little bit about the uh the baseball standings here you know Baltimore is looking good Tampa Bay's looking good in the American League East uh, Toronto's right in there Um, You literally have three teams from one uh, division that that have a legit opportunity to make the playoffs. Uh, you got Minnesota and the Central, the Twins. uh, Outside of them, uh, nobody else in the Central Division is even in the race. Uh, You have Texas and Houston both uh, still in the race. Uh, Texas at the Texas Rangers at 72 and 48 in Houston at 69 and 52. So, uh, you know, right now for the uh, division leaders, you're looking at Baltimore, Texas, and the Twins. And then for the wild card teams, you're looking at Tampa Bay, Houston, and Toronto. Seattle's right there. They're only two games, you know, out. Uh, so it's easily, they could easily make it up and bump Toronto. Um, so, you know, Boston's right there behind Seattle, uh, just three games out. And, you know, they're, they're 63 and 56. Seattle's 64 and 55, and then Toronto's uh, 67 and 54. So all all three teams very close right there for that last wild card spot. You know, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Uh, as far as my My favorite team, they've pretty much melded in the New York Yankees. They're they're not going to make the playoffs this year. And uh, just my personal opinion, they need to fire Brian Cashman uh, and fire Aaron Boone and just start over and get a new GM and and a new new manager down there in the the dugout. I I tried to give Aaron Boone a chance this year. I thought, well, you know – Maybe he just struggled a bit last year with, with setting lineups with the players that he had, uh, but it's the same thing this year. I, I think he struggles putting together good lineups. Um, I know some of the players are struggling, but I, I don't – I think he struggles with batting, setting good batting orders and, and doing lineups. I, I just, I'm just not a fan of Aaron Boone. Not a fan of Brian Cashman, haven't been for a long time. I don't understand why they continue to allow him to sit in that GM seat. He's made several bad decisions over his career. We all know that he inherited a stacked Yankees team when he took over in uh, 98. You know, He had all of those good players already on that team to win a World Series, a couple of World Series under his watch, but he really didn't assemble that team. Uh, and... Since all those players have gotten old and retired and moved on, he hasn't been able to assemble a team that's really even competitive. I think one year they were competitive when they lost to the Astros on uh, the pennant race. So, uh, not not a fan of, of Cashman. We go down to the National League division right now. You have the Braves who look really good. They have those two... Two superstars and Ronald, Ronald Acuna, Jr. and, uh, you know he's Acuna Jr. has looked pretty good this year. Uh, and then you have Matt Olson, uh, who's really came alive this year, and you have some pretty good. Uh, you know players that are uh, decent to average players, Marcelo Zuna. Um, you know Michael Harris. You know they got. They've always the Braves have pretty good pitching also. But uh, with Ronald Acuna Jr. and Matt Olson both, Acuna Jr. was was leading the MVP race uh, by himself. Now Matt Olson is is a. Very strong number two right behind Okuna Jr. So you have two superstars right there. Just Matt the ascension this year has been just outstanding. You have the Dodgers uh, who are uh, 72 and 46 who look good again this year. And you have the Milwaukee Brewers who are their division leaders at 65 and 55. Then you have uh, Philadelphia Phillies. At 65 and 55. That's the first wild card team in right now. You got the Giants, uh, San Francisco Giants at 64 and 56 as a second, and the Miami Marlins at 63 and 58. Well, if I had a second favorite team that I could say I watch um, here and there, it'd be the Marlins. I, I like the Marlins. I've liked them since they were brought into the league back in the early 90s. Um, they're Very, very up and down. Um, They have two World Series, uh, 97 and 03. Also, one of my favorite players was there when they won their second World Series. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, still like him. Uh, I know he's getting ready to retire at the end of the season. Um, Even though Miami got rid of him because they didn't want to pay him, he went to Detroit. I still watched him play in in Detroit just because I liked him. Uh, He'll always be a Marlin to me. Uh, Stanton uh, enjoyed him a little more on the Marlins than I have on the Yankees. He's uh, he had a first couple of good seasons with the Yankees and then Stanton's just been injured uh, in the last few years. I unfortunately, I feel like they need to try to offload him somewhere because I just don't think that he lived up to the billing. When he got traded to the Yankees. Uh, But moving on, you got the Cubs at 61 and 58, right behind the Marlins. And you got the the Reds at 62 and 59, right behind them. Uh, You know that's 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 about it. You got the Arizona at 60 and 60, but they're probably not going to be in play for the the wild card. Your closest one would probably be the Cubs and the Reds. Uh, one of them could potentially bump Miami out of that seat just because they're so close uh, with their records. So that that third spot is tightly contested right now. We'll see what happens in the uh, coming weeks uh, as the playoff picture comes uh, even more into focus. And some of these wildcard teams maybe slow down and get replaced by other ones. But as of right now, that is what your wild card standings look like with your division leaders. Unfortunately, I will not be able to watch my Yankees play. They are not even close to the wild card. Hopefully, they make some pretty hard decisions this offseason. Wow. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL because I'm pretty excited that uh, that season the preseason has started. I've watched several games. I watched, last week I watched most of those preseason games. Watched a little bit of that uh, that Bears game, the Baltimore Ravens game, uh, my favorite team, the Carolina Panthers. I watched the, them play. I'm not not looking too hot down there in Carolina. Man, Jets shut them down, which is another thing I wanna talk about. The Jets signing Dalvin Cook. That uh that's a big move for them. Uh you know, they're slowly assembling a pretty decent team down there. I'm not sure what their defense is gonna look like. I think their defense is gonna look pretty good this year, but Yeah, I was, uh, I think they, let's see. So, yeah, yeah, Dalvin Cook signed with the Jets, so, um, that's, that's, Pretty awesome for the Jets, because they've been kind of struggling here for a while. So, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I saw that uh, Ezekiel Elliott signed with the Patriots, so some of those running backs are starting to sign. I know that there was a big deal about the value of running backs lately. Uh, I think that the value of the running back, unfortunately, has been devalued in the NFL. Uh, and so this is why I think it's been devalued. It's because you have teams like the Patriots, uh, the Eagles, the Buccaneers, and all those teams have won a Super Bowl recently without a superstar running back. The Kansas City Chiefs, you know, they've won two Super Bowls without a superstar running back. Um, you know, you you have running backs now; they're not expected to just run the ball. Everybody wants running backs who can catch the football like a wide receiver so they can line them up. So the, uh, the reason why the value of the running back has changed is because, you know, you're expected to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. But also, you know, you now have these scrambling quarterbacks where back in the day, you know, you had guys like uh, Randall Cunningham, Steve Young, Warren Moon, you had maybe three three quarterbacks in the league who could scramble. That was it. Like, that was a rarity. You know, uh, even in the uh, Michael Vick years, right? Michael Vick was the only real scrambling quarterback. He had a couple that tried, but nobody, you know, changed the game like Michael Vick. And now, you know, a couple years after that, you know, Vick, Vick made the uh, – scrambling quarterback popular and then you had the cam newtons and the russell wilson's who came in and were pretty successful with being able to scramble and throw the football but again you only had a couple who were were successful at it Uh, you know kaepernick had a little run there where he was a scrambling quarterback and able to throw throw the football also with a decent amount of accuracy and so that that was it you just had those three who were successful Everybody else, well, you know, that was it. Everybody else was a pocket passer. Now you have a handful or more scrambling quarterbacks. You know, every team wants that quarterback who has the threat of running. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. You got, uh, so you still have, you know, Russell Wilson down in Denver. He doesn't run as much as he used to, but he still poses the threat. You know, you got Josh Allen, scrambling quarterback. You got Lamar Jackson, scrambling quarterback. You know, there's way more quarterbacks in the league now who, who pose the threat of running. So when you have a quarterback like that who takes carries away from your running back because they're a threat to scramble, you know, you can you don't have to have a superstar running back that's, that's a workhorse. And so that's why I think the NFL, the, the value of the running backs has changed now. We're you know teams are looking around like you know we don't need to pay a running back 15 million dollars a year uh, to be a workhorse back when we can pay two backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield and average about 10 to 15 carries a game and pay them 5 million a piece or less and still win a Super Bowl because we have a scrambling quarterback who's accurate and you know po you know he poses a threat to defenses because Yeah, he he might drop back to pass and then all of a sudden take off running and now he's unaccounted for. Or if you take a linebacker or a safety and spy the quarterback, now you just lost somebody who could help out in coverage and there's going to be a receiver or tight end or or maybe that running back who's coming out of the backfield who's open to catch the football. So I do believe that the the running backs are right. The, The running backs have been devalued, but... It's just the evolution of the game. It's not going to change. I don't think it's going to go back. You know, everything goes through an evolution, right? And so football has gone through an evolution and the running back uh, spot has changed. It's not the same anymore. So they're not going to get paid the same anymore. Uh, Will will it go back down the road? Maybe, but probably not. Uh, Not unless the NFL goes back to more of a pocket passer system but again that the run, the quarterback position's also you know evolved with the Lamar Jacksons and uh, the Josh Allens uh, you know it's it's all evolved you know people don't want that pocket passer anymore they want that running back who got who has a little bit of speed and can take off from the football if teams need it so um, I don't know how you fix that for the running back position, because, you know, how do you how do you take a step back? You don't. So, I don't know what to tell the running backs. Uh, in the league, your contracts are probably going to start getting smaller, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it's just the evolution of the game. I have to see the direction the game takes later, but. You know, it's you'll have to pick up another skill as a running back if you want to get that high money. Uh, for me, if I was a running back, um, like, say, Dalvin Cook or Saquon Barkley or a Christian Caffrey, uh, I would do my contract based on my touches, right? Because all those guys are going to get maximum touches compared to a normal running back. Because they are being lined up in the slot or on the outside to go out and catch footballs right so maybe that's a way around it to to make your value more you know negotiate your contract around how many times you touch a football a year right if you touch football 300 times in the season then you should pay be paid like you touched football 300 times in the season so maybe that's a idea for the running backs you know if you want to get paid more uh, then maybe you got to uh change your game a little bit do more go out there with uh with the quarterback, practice catching football so you can be a threat, you know, in the slot or somewhere else, you know, or learn how to run routes. That's how you get paid more as a running back now, not just by taking handoffs from the quarterback and running between the tackles anymore or bouncing it to the outside. That just doesn't work anymore. Um, so that's it for today. That's all I wanted to cover. If you guys have uh, any topics you would like for us to discuss, my Teammate here will be back for our next episode, Quentin, uh, and uh, we will talk about another topic. Until then, you guys have a great day. I hope you subscribe and continue to listen to our podcast. Uh, Thank you.